to Life, Art, and the In-Between with Celise, Shelley, Michelle, and Clem. Welcome to our podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Life, Art, and the In-Between. Today, we're actually going to talk about mental health uh, with emphasis on our industry, the arts. It's been a difficult time for artists with everything that's going on, and we wanted to just acknowledge that and take time and space for it. Um, today, our guest is Rashada Dewan. She's from South Side of Chicago. She's an actress, vocalist, songwriter, arts advocate, and activist, and a proud mom of two beautiful daughters. Her love of the arts has carried her all around the world in stage and film. If honestly making lemons out of lemonade was a person, it would definitely be Rashada. She's really doing the work in regards to mental health and healing. So we wanted to have a talk about what she is doing in the arts and for her community. So uh, let's get into it. Hey, Rashada, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, I want to just ju- uh, d- dive right on in. I was really inspired by uh, the equity um, talk. So uh, Rashada did this whole uh, workshop for mental health with all black professionals. And it was uh, sponsored by Equity, I believe, Actors' Equity here in America. Um, and I just wanted to talk to you about, first of all, how that came about and um, wh- why you did it. I just wanted you to tell pe- people about that. Sure. So being an artist for a very long time and professionally, like solely an artist for over 11 years, I was hearing a lot of artists talk about um, some mental health challenges that we were all having and we didn't it didn't seem like we had a safe place to really come to get information or even just be real with each other and just share and be open. And so I felt I felt like our union was a really good place to uh, come together and connect specifically African-American artists because we just tend to have different needs. And um, without judging it, just really being open and honest and then making sure that all the panel was African-American, it just felt like a, a, a safe place for us to come together. And so I just wanted to do that. And the name of it was called uh, Worth the Work, because the thing is, I was hearing a lot of artists say stuff like, oh, you know, um, we want we want work and we want to get these jobs and you all should help us. But it was like there's a large part of it that is our onus to come together and be responsible and accountable to ourselves and what it is that we need. And uh, that workshop really helped kind of open it up to have that conversation. And was it just artists on that, um, Rashada? So the artists were the audience. So you had to be a union member. So it was, I'm sure, some stage managers, but predominantly uh, actors. But the panel was uh, had like a corporate uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion officer on it. Um, there, wow. there was also a psychologist uh, wow. on it and then dancers. And so I tried to make sure I cast the net wide as far as where the information could come from. And what, what was the feedback from there after you'd finished that? Oh, Celise was, Celise was ec- is ecstatic about it. So, yeah, they, they felt, I got all positive feedback from union to the artists, to the presenters. Everybody uh, just felt like it went well. Um, it was so much so, though, that sometimes that conversation, I think personally, it takes some time for it to really digest, sink in, yeah. because to ask questions right then or get get responses that were like um, fully embracing all of what people may have felt, I, that wasn't the expectation. We wanted to kind of plant the seed to say, hey, you can actually have these conversations or we can really be honest about things we need uh, while a lot of demands are being put on us. So. 
No, I think it takes a little time for that stuff to sink in. But overall, good response. Wow. So what have been the ripple effects following that meeting, that workshop? Um, Have you had any other meetups since? Not with uh, Actors' Equity. I mean, we have an an entire... um, it's called the EEO, so Equal Employment Opportunity like Group, but for African-American uh, leaders uh, and artists. So they have a whole separate committee um, that they always host meetings about. But I think right now, like what came out of it for Actors' Equity, was they had a whole report to show in measurable ways how um, the, the scales have not been equal. You know, equity has not been... Uh, equitable for us all as artists. And so that felt good to know that some of the needs that we were expressing, it was actually validated and showed in that report. And that came after the workshop. So I know that was kind of being talked about uh, already, but to bring some meat to it, to actually have people give responses, I know that came out of it and maybe other conversations. But for me, I was able to like have conversations with Celise and other artists that I know who was like, yeah, I really need more things. I need more therapy or I need, you know, to, to handle stuff in a way that I'm probably haven't been doing before. And so because we're in a situation where we're not in the theater. Um, right. So how do you feel going forward? I mean, cause you, Oh, what's so interesting about, I love this is because, I knew you, I work with you and you've always been passionate about this. So I didn't know, like I knew about your B-Fly productions before B-Fly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I'd actually don't know if it delved into this, but I know that your mission statement is to increase mental wellness and decrease violence through performing arts. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, did this, I have two questions actually, did this okay. become broader after you left the show with, with mental health? Uh, health, health or was that always the case and also because we're in this zoom world how do you see it going forward to help with mental health in our industry like what what do you feel needs to be done oh all right let's see if i can pull that apart so the first <laughs> thing is uh i have a degree in psychology uh undergraduate degree and then a master's degree in communications And so I've always had a passion for mental health. I've also worked in community mental health, like uh, in a community mental health center, even before I came with Lion King for, uh, I was there for about six years. So uh, as a case manager, kind of a social worker. And I, I fell in love with it before then. I loved it then and I love it now. So now being a part of this industry, like solely, it was like, oh, we need mental health too. Um, and we may not be psychotic, like diagnosed, but, uh, the, the need was there. And so I think that kind of just, it just came out like, oh, I could do this here too. And so I, I, I had the desire, so Alicia, you and I talked, it was like, I think we can do this and we can help people this way. And you're like, okay, ma'am, but you got to get on stage, you know? So it was like, <laughs> it was like, it was cool. But then uh, after having left The Lion King and left in the way that I did, it really showed like, okay, not only can I talk about this just for being like an advocate for mental health, but having overcome, having gone through, it really showed like, okay, there is a way to get on the other side of this. There's also a way to get in it. There's a way that you don't know that you're going into a space and then you're able, I was, I, at least me, I was able to share my story and still am to be like, okay, 
here's some stuff. Let's just be honest. You know, we suffer from things that we don't really like to talk about in the open. And um, I think we still got a ways to go, um, to be honest, to answer kind of your second question. Because there's so much stuff that uh, how I don't, you know, things may, I know things are different in other nations, but as far as in the States, um, we, we come from that whole pull yourself up by your own bootstraps sort of thing. And in that is trauma. Okay. Because that does not, um, embrace community that doesn't embrace accountability. Uh, it doesn't encourage support. And those are all the things that I believe humans need. And so I would like to, from this point moving forward is to even get, uh, a community like actors equity to say, Hey, Let's not just look at what African-Americans need or what producers need or what dancers need. It's let's look at what humans need. If we can start there, then we can really open it up to have a realistic way to hold each other accountable. Because like I like to say, yo, all black people don't like fried chicken. OK, <laughs> and so then for real. So it's no I, way. So, I'm sorry, Rashad. I love fried chicken. I said, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, so I mean, really, I, I it's just it's to, to try to listen to what a thousand black people need and then structure yourself accordingly is still leaving out thousands more that might have a whole nother different need. So it's like there's no way to cater to it. And if we keep playing into that, we'll be back here, you know, trying to figure it out. So it's like let's figure out what human needs are. You know what? I loved um, Rashada when I went on your Be Fly. First of all, Be Fly Productions. What a nice kind of name. It's, it means for our listeners, Be Fearless, Lifted, Inspired Productions. Yeah. Um, I was having kind of like a little look through the website and then I saw that you catered for youth and you put youth aged 5 to 17 and adults 18 plus. And that made me really happy inside because... We need to start thinking about not just the adults in society, but also the young ones, the youngsters that are coming up, those that are going through trauma, unspoken trauma, and helping them from the early ages of five so that when they become mature adults, they have information that will help them to sustain themselves in their adult life while also helping the youngsters coming up beneath them. So I just wanted to to say thank you for providing an outlet for everyone from such an early age. Um, and this feel-good aspect as well on your, on your website, I felt an overwhelming kind of sense of your, your company just wants to help people feel good about themselves, to remember that there is a ray of light inside of yourself. There is sunshine. It's such a beautiful message. Um, so I don't know if you're able just to speak to us a little bit about your outreach to the youth in particular and what kind of things you do to help them with their mental well-being through the performing arts. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for that. Um, I remember I went to a PhD seminar and the focus was uh, macro or micro, right? They were asking us how we wanted to take approach to things and everyone was saying macro. You want to see what people need and then bringing into the companies. And I was the only one being like, I just have to say, I think it's micro coming from the inside and then telling the, telling the, uh, you know, if the, if the companies are well, then the consumers can be well. So to your point about youth, um, you know, there's this old quote about how are the children, right? And so if we are all going through things, 
and the children are not being paid attention to. They are the future. So it's like if we don't take care of them from the inside, then when they go out, it what 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 will we have? <laughs> more chaos, more confusion, more hurt. So um, I know the way the art saved me as a kid um, and gave me an outlet. And so I was like, of course we would starve the kids. Um, and and so that's that's what motivates motivates me. So what I do, I started with the Chicago Public School program. I used to work for the Board of Education, doing after school programs. After school matters is kind of like the hub here now, but it's it, it has to have arts in it. So we do drama with them. We do singing and we do um, dance. We also do hip hop communication. So I know okay. I say hip hop and a lot of people are like, you mean the dance? No, we actually teach the kids to write and we teach them hit the history of hip hop. We teach oh, yeah. them, uh, you know, how to, how to word structure their words and their phrases, yes. um, their like all of that. And, and I mean, it's great because by the time we get to the final show, like for the camp, you will just see all of these things come out of these kids. And the parents are always like, I didn't know. Or that's my kid. You're just like, yeah. And they wrote that, you know? Yeah. So um, it's, it's really expressive, but that's the point. It's like our kids need an expressive outlet too, like the adults do. Um, so yeah, that's what we do. And Rashada, cause you also, I know you, you're doing a lot of healing circles too now, like right as of right now. And what, what, what is it? What is that? How do, what, what is it? Explain it all. Okay. Um, mm. I knew that I wanted to do more after the um, or after the pandemic hit and then the George Floyd stuff happened. Um, I was like, OK, what are you? What, well, you know, Holy Spirit, what are you asking for me? And I just started doing a lot of research and being led to cultural practices um, that originated with circles. And it started in Africa. But the Native Americans used it here in the States. And it's something that uh, seemed to be really powerful. So I, I set up a healing circle just for black artists here in the city. And, and it was like, I don't know who's going to come. It was outside. People were asking, is it going to be safe? And uh, over like 30 people came. And by the end of it, we started talking about what is it that we need? And I mean, people were just throwing out stuff like, you know, we don't need award shows or we need to have our own award shows. We need to write our own stuff. Or we need to, you know, negotiate more community, more partnerships. Like everyone was throwing it out. And that's the beautiful part about circles. So circles is a place where you build community. Mm -hmm. You literally give everybody a space to talk. There's a talking piece and you can pass it if you want. But the idea is you've been giving this, given the space to present. Uh, we pour libations, which is just in honor of those who came before us. Uh, we give silence for that. We speak to those we may have lost in the artistic community. And then we also, in that circle, um, made a decision to release our trauma, really. So mm -hmm. it was like we sat there and all together was like, I forgive, I release. Every time somebody spoke, it was, I see you, I hear you, and I feel you. Because then that makes it so that no one's just out there alone. Everyone feels what we all feel. And that circle created that. So now I work in restorative justice, which also does circles. And those are for um, people between the ages of 18 to 27 that um, maybe have caught a case. And, you know, this is their shot to get a second chance. So I think it's the start of trying to restructure the judicial system. 
So, so are you? Do you sit in a circle? Is that how it works? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You sit inside of a circle now. There. So the setup is you have a centerpiece there. So the centerpiece could. Uh, I usually use some type of African fabric to represent like my culture, and then I light a candle to represent like the element of fire because back in the day, that's what they used to do was meet around fires, and. Um, then I would put like some type of talking piece there or something that I just felt like represented something beautiful that I liked. I would also ask participants who come, bring your own talking piece if you want, something that you don't mind everybody passing around. Oh, they pass around. Like For example, what would that be? So uh, it, it, it could be like a squishy toy, you know, sometimes. Oh, I see. Depending, okay. yeah, depending on how deep we go, a lot of times people like to have something that they can hold and caress if they're talking about something traumatic. Um, I also brought in like a literal tr- a piece of a tree branch to represent the community. Um, and so we passed that around, you know, uh, somebody loves the bears, So they brought like a bear's little like pillow that they wanted to pass. So it could be whatever, you know, but it, it symbolizes that this is my thing that I care about and I'm sharing it with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, so when you go into the healing circle or you agree to do it, do you, do you have to say, do you give them a talk and say, whatever happens here is private and stuff? Do you have a, that kind of talk yes. with them? That's right. So the initial circle would have values and guidelines. Oh, okay. And yeah. we all come together and share what it is that we value. And then how can we show up to activate those values in this circle? And then they, we all have to agree and accept them. That's cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's nice hearing about um, communication because I'm a big fan of communication. And within the Black community, there are lots of suppressed emotions, especially when you think about the generations before um, and the lack of vocal give from many fathers, actually, in family life. Um, And nowadays, it's really nice that there is a push for people to be more open Mm -hmm. and to be more nurturing and giving and sharing um, through communication. Because I love when you said, see, I see you, I hear you, and I feel you. Because so many times, you know, especially with all of this instant media and you can watch a zillion episodes of something, you can get trapped into this world of the Internet and you no longer have any kind of sense of communication with your community. So it's really nice to have things like the Healing Circle where you can try to regain that sense of connection, the sense of bringing it back to the basis of just listening hearing and feeling and through that you can heal i think that's great Rashad. so do you have um what is the sex of the people who come are there oh. many men <laughs> no no wait i love no, this Rish- yes. it's, it's like no because of what shelly was saying this is like you know, know to feel and to you know that stuff I know. um so do you get many men coming to your healing yeah, circles? I love that you asked that because you're right. It, it seems so touchy-feely, so she-she-foo-foo foo almost, you know, just exactly. like... Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm real. I feel you with that. Um, so because I work with the court system here in the city um, and we're dealing with people who have caught a case and those are predominantly brothers, right? And right, so... Right. I got to say that I completed my full series just last week with uh, my first guy. And he said, you know, I I came at first feeling like this was going to be some lame shit. Mm. And (laughs) later at the end, he was like, I really like how you all present 
the mm. questions mm. Um, because I don't know where else I could say this stuff. Mm. Well, and I don't I think, think there is anywhere else you could stay, say it. That's, it. that's the point, right? right? So, But it's to get them in that room. That's right. I mean, you'd have to drag me in, that's for sure. But I, I, can under, I can see the benefits and it's pretty amazing. But it's for most men, it's kind of hard to be in that space. Until we break you down to the white meat. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying. Point. We got to get broke down. We come, you be like, yeah, just come to the circle. And then you come and before you know it, y'all got the most to say. Exactly. That's, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. And, th- and that's the thing about these circles is once you start and you see everybody else sharing, it's like it's something about that that just makes you want to just throw it up. It breaks the up. fear. It breaks yeah. the fear. Especially when you got the atmosphere and nobody is there. And the facilitator's spirit is important because if the facilitator shows a non-judgmental space, and right. we're open, it just creates an atmosphere where everyone feels like they're safe. And oh, that, that's good. So you don't go say, what? You said that? Oh, no. No. Okay. I, okay. I say really very little okay. other than the questions. I do direct eye contact, a lot of affirming with like listening and okay. shaking my head as if to say yes. And those little subtle behavioral things, it just makes people feel warm and, and connected. Yeah. So Rashada, all this work that you're doing, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. and I just it's so inspiring. How do you keep yourself all, you know, all tuned up? I'm so glad you asked, like straight up. So this morning, I just literally pulled up my, um, this T.D. Jake's uh, sermon, and it was about trauma. And I just found myself in my own kitchen, crying and shouting and praising God and getting full. Mm. Um, and I, and I, and that's what this is about too, because Sometimes I often say, you know, the singer, there's no song for the singer. You know, we're often getting called to do stuff. Who dances for the dancer? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think we have to create that space to go, what do I need? And, and not judge myself. You know, I woke up this morning and meditated or, you know, I just shared with you. I took a trip to Sedona just to clear my mind. Like I have to be at peace if I'm going to facilitate peace. And that doesn't mean I stay there. You right. know, I, I have no problem giving a whole cuss out to somebody about something. <laughs> you know this. But the flip is, all right, Rashada, when do you need to go back to assess what happened, how the person felt, how you felt, if you need to apologize? And it doesn't mean I won't do it again. I am responsible to show up as a human being. And that in itself is the peace. You know? So that's what I've allowed myself to do after having been broken down to the white meat myself. I can go, okay, this human experience is a gift and mm. I give it to myself if I'm going to help facilitate that for somebody else. There's, I mean, I guess we're speaking now about like self-care and the things that you do to fill your tank up because like you, um, I'm a huge giver. So I give a lot of my energy. And many years ago, I realized that I needed to moderate the people that I gave my energy to do to and Mm -hmm. also I need to figure out how to replenish my energy so like you sometimes I have to take a moment to fill my tank up because if it's not full I'm not going to be able to function so I guess my question to you is of late there is a lot of kind of hashtags on social media hashtag self-care hashtag self-love you know how do you feel now that 
this idea of self-care and self-love is is out there and a lot of people are kind of um i guess prescribing to it where do you stand with regards to self-love and self-care well i do love that it's there i think i would like us to work on learning more about what it means and the authenticity of it you know mm. because you you just kicked off saying that on social media and that in itself right there is sort of like a little shield that we have um, and we want to make sure that as we promote it, are we really doing it? You know, because it's one thing to be like, you know, it was hashtag blessed, mm-hmm. hashtag booked, mm-hmm. hashtag self-love. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we get it. But, um, you know, I, I just I wonder sometimes if we're really doing the work of it. Salise is really good, too. I really am appreciative of her friendship because she reinforces all the time of are you doing the work? And it's, it's, it's not always cute in there. It's not always postable yeah. in there. Um, so I th- but, but it's good because the conversation is being generated. The attention is being given to it. So it only can grow from here. Absolutely. Yeah. So how have you been um, helping people during, with their mental health during the pan- this pandemic? I guess because we're, we're defined by what we do, right? So even if it's the most mundane job. So if you have, if you are no longer working, if you're stuck at home, man, and especially as an artist and you're defined by that, I can see mental problems. And a lot of my friends really have, are struggling right now. So I'm throwing that question out to you, Rashada. The reason why I don't know if she's going to want to bring this up, but I want you to tell them about if you feel comfortable about your jingle jangle. Oh, yes, I can definitely. Let me start there. Let me start there. <laughs> because it goes with this. That's why. Okay. Yes. So I call Celise because one day uh, my daughter, I have a 15 year old and I have a three year old. I know. What was I thinking? I think wow. I think. wow. Teenager and toddler. Yeah. Boy. Yeah, I know. Exactly. That's why I wake up and pray and cry. And cry my kids. <laughs> So my three-year-old is like loving Jingle Jangle. She wants to watch it every morning and she loves the opening song, right? And so I had maybe watched it two times. I'm like, okay, kid, I'm not about to watch this with you again, but I'll just watch the beginning. She's like, great. And I mean, I'm in there and we're singing all the songs and then I start dancing and I like find myself getting into it and I'm going, am I about to cry? I'm like, (laughs) What am I doing? I was like, I was like tearing up being like just playing. And then it just got real, real to me. And I was like, my daughter, my 50 year old is like, mom, are you crying? And I was just like, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I think that's like post-traumatic stress, mom. I was like, I think your daughter said that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On point. (laughs) And mind you, she's in the business too. So child, it's like, I was like, you're right. You know, I, before you know it, I just found myself missing it, you know, mm-hmm. like really operating at full level in my living room. It just came and I'm like, I just miss it. Right. And so the way I immediately dealt with it, even there was find the joy. Right. Cause I could have just, that was a rabbit hole. And I'm like, let me call the people that I love and that I know care about me and be like, yo, this is super funny. Don't you think so? And then they're like, oh my gosh, it is. And so it was just a funny moment. So to your question about how I'm helping people, you know, sometimes when you're a helper, 
you can feel like, man, the, the, the net is wide of how much there is to do. But then you, one of these, the thing this pandemic has taught me is to try to figure out as I still try to help, but pull it back in. So there's this thing that I have and that, that's called, I don't have a name for it, but it just says, am I okay? Are you okay? Are we okay? Are they okay? That helps me bring things into perspective. And I can't jump any of those unless mm. I answer the question before. You know what I mean? So it's like the community is in shambles, but if I'm in shambles, I can't go help them. I have yes, to stop. I mean, it's for, it's just what you were saying before, like the micro as opposed to macro. So you, you're starting from inside the, the small, you know? Yes. So yeah, that makes sense to me. That's how you do I'm, it. And then hopefully those little conversations, starting with like asking my friends, yo, wasn't that funny? Then hopefully that helps them unlock something. And then before you know it, whoever they shared that with unlocked something. Now here we are on this podcast talking about it and it might unlock more. Like that's just kind of, that's that's the right. most you can do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And And as an artist, like, because, you know, you had trauma on the jingle jangle. That is so funny. I love it. But what do then you do as far for your artistry in in that as as mental health? Like, do you just say it's okay, or like well, how do I, you deal with that? I went for a while first. Um, okay, so so there's this other part of it that's like this guilt, right? At least for me, because when this pandemic started, I actually got called to do a show outside on a rooftop. And so I'm like, you know, sharing it. You guys, I'm singing at this this thing. And it's it, we're all social distance. Folks was wrapped up in blankets, Clem, talking about how cold it was. They literally had their drinks like on the floor and they was like drinking it wrapped up like this See, just mm -mm. at the concert. I would not be there. Mm -mm. No way. 50, 45 degrees. And I, I just know, like no, sing no, it. No, no. <laughs> all that to say, you know, that I, I actually, it took a while to reach me. You know, so by the time those concerts had to fall off because I was not performing under 45 degrees, uh, you know, I couldn't do it. Um, I was like, oh, my gosh. And I allowed myself to grieve. So that's the first thing I did was sit in it, sit in it and, and just cry or just sit on that couch and watch every Netflix thing I could or just talk about it. Go call, get therapy, lean into it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm at a place where I'm able to sign up for a class. You know, now I'm able to play a karaoke track on YouTube and sing along with it. You know, um, when it gets warm, I'm sure I'm going to start running again. You know, so it's it's like finding going back to finding those things that make you happy to go. OK, I don't have a big audience, but and even when I first even another thing I did when it first started, I went on Facebook and just did a live of like an hour and a half of just singing. Mm. Um, and that was helpful because you had people, you know, responding while you're doing it. They even making requests. And so I was able to sing there. So it's those kind of things I was able to do to uh, keep myself together. Um, and to say, I still, you know, don't, I still have moments that are hard, you know, but I allow myself to feel them instead of run from them. And then I love it to say, am I okay? That's the first step. Am I okay? I was yes. just going to say, am I okay? Love that as well. Love it. Um, Rashada, I just wanted to say um, thanks so much for speaking with us on everything that you have. No, we ain't finished with you just yet. <laughs> we have a little surprise section in which okay, we like okay. to ask our guests uh, five questions. We call it our quick fire five. So Rashada, 
first thing that comes to your mind, just let it out. Quick fire five, fire five. Okay, you ready, Rashada? I'm ready. All right. Uh, Zoom or conference call? Conference call. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Who would you invite to your dream dinner party? Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. Just one person? Mm -hmm. The Obamas. The Obamas, yes. <laughs> Sasha Malia, too. Yeah, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, where in the world would you most like to be right now? Ooh. South Africa. Okay. Oh. Any city in particular or just? Cape Town. Okay. Have you been you've been to South Africa before? No. no. Okay. Have you been to Barbados before? Is the question. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways. Okay, go on. last question. What is the most important lesson life has taught you? Ooh, that's rough. Okay. The most important lesson that life has taught me. And I'm still learning it, but I think it's the most important. Is to accept. Oh, wow. It's to accept. Uh, it, it. I'm still learning, but it's something that, like, when you get that, oh, it's a piece that just surpasses all understanding, because everything is exactly as it should be. When you, the layers that you have to go through of faith and then trust and then to accept. Whew, I just want to live there every day. When you trust that every last morsel of this universe is dedicated to your good, you know what I mean? Then no matter what comes, it doesn't rock you as much because you learn that the end is always going to be the best thing. You know what I mean? And so it's that accepting of, ooh, this hurts. I feel it. I accept it. And then you can get up to move on, you know, because that's the point. Life's going to keep coming. Mm. You know, and, and it's based on our perspective of how we want to see it, that we're a, how we're able to move through it, you know. So, so where did you get such positivity from, Rashada? You know, I've always had this, Tim. Thank you very much. Oh, really? You know? Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I, I got to say, I was raised by a really, really uh, spiritual dad. He mm -hmm. was Muslim, and he's also a police officer and a cowboy. So, uh, oh, wow. and, and now he, you know, plays the guitar. So it was like in his retirement, who knew, but I've, I've had leadership that I think has always kind of tried to keep me focused on the, the, uh, brighter side of life. But then I also had early trauma where I lost my mother at three years old. And so, uh, two, uh, she was killed by a drunk driver saving my life oh, so because that is how like my I guess my life kind of started. Uh, I've had to stay real close to things that have kept me motivated. And I think that's where it is. That's excellent. So listen, Rashada, I'm so appreciative of you coming in today. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank yeah, thank you, Rashada. And all the work that you're putting into the world, I think is just beautiful. And I hope you get it all back. So thank you so very, very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Rashada. I, I want to share this last thing that we're doing is an actual live community reading of Once on this Island, like in the hood, on the corner, next to the bus stop. Like we just gonna have the stools and the microphones and the track plan, and we are gonna do that. So when when are you doing that? Uh, March twenty first, the first day of spring. So I'm praying. Oh, nice. Is this via B Fly Productions? If people want to find out info, 
They can go on that website? Uh-huh. They can go to www.bflyproductions.org and uh, check us out. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Rashada. Search for Life, Art and the In-Between wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Benno Creative House. Life, Art and the In-Between is a Benno Creative House original production.